love that truth. This week I was reading in um, a devotion by Beth Moore, and it's breaking free day by day. It was one of those free downloads, like, through January that everyone was posting, and I'm so glad that I did. Because I just, sometimes you... um, you read something or you hear something and realize it, and it's just, it's crazy how it can just blow your mind. And that's how this was for me. And I just hope that it, it speaks to you too. Um, may not be as, um, crazy, um, may not blow your mind as much as it blew mine, but I just hope that there's some truth in this that you can grab hold of because God is love. He cannot keep from showing it. Even if he sometimes opts to demonstrate it through discipline, he loves us through blessing, through answered prayer, loving chastisement, constant care, intervention, and much more. I'm going to read that again, just in case you missed some of it. Because God is love, he cannot keep from showing it. Even if he sometimes opts to demonstrate it through discipline, He loves us through blessing, answered prayer, loving chastisement, constant care, intervention, and much more. And that is some great truth to hold on to. Let's continue to worship. So I will cast my cares on you, the Almighty. I will cast my cares on you, because you're good. strength is gone in the middle of a fire when fear is closing in you are you are my song you're my hope when hope is gone so i will cast my Oh. 
the fight You're greater still In the middle of a fire Your love is holding me You are, you are my song You're my hope when hope is gone Well, this morning we are going to bring you a new song New to us, it's been around for a while But it's a simple song And it just has one verse and one chorus that we're going to sing. And the chorus is quite repetitive. And sometimes that's okay, isn't it? To just simplify the words so that we can just turn our attention and our focus on God and and him and his presence and his glory instead of focusing in on the screens. And so this morning, just sing along, join in when you feel ready to.
sing, Oh, how he loves. And oh, how he loves our soul. Oh, how he loves us. How he loves our soul. Oh, how he loves us so.
So Heavenly Father, we thank you for this love that you have for us, this great unconditional love. We thank you, Father, that you are love, God, and you are the perfect, the perfect Father. God, we thank you for the perspective that you give us when we're in your presence, Lord, how we see that you are so great, Father, and anything that we're going through is so small compared to you and your power and your faithfulness and your love. In your name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. What do I do? I wake up, brush my teeth. Drink my morning coffee, scream at some people in traffic. Get the latest scoop at work. Hit the gym, check out the hot guy in blue. Take a buddy to lunch, charge it to my business account. I wake up, brush my teeth. Drink my morning coffee, scream at some people in traffic. Gossip. Lust. Lie. Lust. Lie. Gossip. Anger. Lust. Lie. Gossip. Anger. You may think these sins are avoidable. But if you ask me? I think. They are absolutely necessary. Not just coming soon, coming right now. Are you ready? You ready to talk about this? There are some sins that almost every reasonable person would agree are just dead wrong. Rape. I don't know of anybody that defends rape. That's just, it's wrong. It's a sin. Cold-blooded, random, senseless murder just for the sake of it. It's wrong. Most forms of stealing, everybody says, that's sin. It's wrong. We shouldn't do it. These are what we might call capital S sins. They're, They're the big ones. But there are other sins that we like to spell with a, with a small s. In fact, we might not even call them sins. We might refer to them as, as indiscretions, as mistakes, as a momentary lapse of judgment, something like that. These little s sins, for most people, they become universally acceptable. They're almost respectable, and they are certainly excusable. We just dismiss them. No big deal. We actually see some sins as necessary. We've, we've rationalized that they, that they in some way improve the quality of our life. They make life easier. They make like life better. They're, um, they're tactically beneficial. And so we go ahead and do them. Even though we may, uh, as a culture, see some sins as acceptable, they are not right in the eyes of God. So in February, what we're going to be doing is talking about four ordinary little s sins that most people rationalize. Uh, most people see as necessary to doing modern life. As we get started, what I'd like to do is, is look at some of the words of David from Psalm 139. These words are actually uh, a prayer. David says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and, and just know the anxiety, the anxious thoughts I'm, I'm having right now. Point out anything in me that offends you. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. What a beautiful prayer to pray as as we embark on looking at our souls, looking at our actions and and how we're living. And so what I'd like you to do right now in, in silence is just take those words of David and pray them in your heart to God right now as we prepare to hear his word.
Lord, these words David said and penned are beautiful. And at the same time, if we look at them realistically, they're frightening. Because we are asking you to turn a spotlight on our life. To search our souls and to point out areas that we need to change. And God, I pray today that this would not just be a prayer on a screen, but the prayer of our hearts. And that we would want to move toward a life that pleases you. In Jesus' name, amen. So my question for you is, have you ever been caught in a lie? I mean, just flat out busted. You were caught. There was no denying it. Ah, oh, there it is. I'm stuck. There's kind of this, there's this classic um, preacher tool. I've never done it. It's, it's just kind of mean. Um, you, ask a, you ask a congregation to go home this week and read Mark 17. Next week, we're going to come back. We're going to study Mark 17 together. And this is going to be a great study, you know. So come back next week, and we'll be ready to go. And everybody comes back next week, and, and you ask for the show of hands. So how many of you went home and read Mark 17? Now, inevitably, I don't know why, three people raise their hands. It's just the way it works. Three people raise their hands. And suddenly you say, okay, let's get out our Bibles and, and turn to Mark 17 right now. And, of course, Mark ends at 16. And there they are. And what you say next is, today we're doing a sermon on lying. And you are just absolutely flat busted right there in church. Boom, everybody knows. So here's what we're going to do. Rather than doing that to you, I just thought we'd start with the time of confession. We're not all going to go to a booth. We're going to do it right here in front of everybody else. Go ahead and raise your hand if you ever lied. Ever lied, get your hands up. Now look around real quick because somebody kept their hand down. You are now permitted to take your hand down, get your bony finger up, point it at them and say, you big fat liar. Because the truth is everyone's lied. We know it. Everyone's lied. Everyone does it. In fact, it's one of the first bad things we do. I think the very first is no. That, you know, that's number one. And the next thing, we just start that process of fabrication. We, we lie. It just comes naturally to us. And, you know, we even laugh when our kids lie. I mean, they'll tell a lie and you're just kind of like, oh, isn't that cute? Oh, that's so funny. But uh, here's the thing. God doesn't laugh. God doesn't find it funny at all. He doesn't giggle. God hates it when we lie. Proverbs 6 lists seven things that God finds abhorrent. He goes through this list of, you know, haughty eyes. In other words, pride. A heart that plots evil. A person who sows discord in a family. You look through this list of seven things. Two times, two times, God comes back and says, I hate a lying tongue. And I hate a person. I hate when a person gives false false witness that pours out lies against someone else. Two times in a list of seven, God points out how absolutely much he detests lying. Proverbs chapter 12, 22 tells us the Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in those who tell the truth. The word for detest there is the word to make nauseous, to make sick to the stomach. It nauseates God when we lie. It makes him sick to the stomach when we lie. It makes him want to hurl when we lie. It makes God want to vomit when we lie. That's how seriously God takes lying. We may not take it as a big deal. We may think it's just a little less, but to God, it's an absolutely big deal. Lying is fundamental to the nature of God's arch enemy. If you look over in the book of John chapter 8, Jesus is talking to some people, religious leaders, who just don't get it. And he says, you belong to your father, the devil. 
and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and he's the father of lies. Will you look at that verse? I mean, Jesus equates murder and lying. He says Satan is a murderous liar. He puts both on the same level. Many say that lying is necessary just to get by. But the truth is, our lying makes God want to vomit. It makes him sick to his stomach. Let's touch on that prayer again. The one line, point out anything in me that offends you. You see, it's not our place to judge whether or not a lie is a big S or a little S, whether it's a big deal or a small deal. The question is, what offends God? What displeases God? That's what matters most. It's not what we find offensive, but what he finds offensive. God is offended by lying. It nauseates him. So we're going to lay out a path this morning. Where, where are we going? The first thing we're going to do is talk about why we lie, and particularly who we lie to. And then we're going to dig a little bit deeper and look at motivation. Why do we deceive others? So when we lie, you know, who do we lie to? Well, of course, first of all, we, just, we lie to people. We lie to other people. We read in Jeremiah 9, verse 5, it says, Friends deceive friends, and no one speaks the truth. They have taught their tongues to lie. I mean, get, get that line. It's beautiful. They have taught their tongues to lie. They've learned that practice. They've practiced it so much. They weary themselves with sinning. We lie to people. We lie to each other. Now, according to research, and I kind of laugh at research these days because you can find research to, you know, reinforce anything you want to say. So we'll see where this goes. But according to research, women lie three times a day. Three times a day. Now, get out your calculator. You know, it's about a thousand times a year that a woman is lying. And, and you're like, guys are going, I knew it. <laughs> Dirty dogs. I knew it. I knew she was lying. Oh, and, you know, you can feel him. He's already got that stone out, the one that's labeled first stone, and he's ready to cast it. Oh, put it back in your pocket, guys. Guys lie on average six times a day. <laughs> so let's just look at the harsh reality. Let's do the math. 2,190 times. Now, I don't know about you. If I did something 2,190 times a year, I might be tending to call that a pattern, a habit. It's ingrained. It's there. This is is where we are. We, We have this tendency to lie. We lie and we laugh about it. But remember, it makes God want him to vomit. It makes him sick. Our lies, of course, are not always overt. Sometimes we just mislead. Sometimes we deceive. You know, you're late. Oh, traffic was miserable. It was just miserable. Now, here's the truth, if we could play the camera. You left 10 minutes late, and you got stopped at one stoplight. One. And you're calling that miserable traffic. It was just dreadful. We may not always overtly lie, but we allow people to believe something that's inaccurate and we don't take the time to correct them. For so many of us, lying has just become a reflex. We don't even know why we do it anymore. Have you caught yourself in that? You tell a lie and you stop and go, why did I just do that? I mean, the truth, it's not like the truth would have been painful. It's not like it would have been bad. We've just grown in this reflex. It's become second nature to us. We lie to people all the time. And you know who else we lie to? 
We lie to God. We lie to God. In Acts 5, we meet a couple from the first church. Their, their, name is, their names are Ananias and Sapphira. Now, they sell some, some property, and they say they're going to take all the proceeds and give it to God. But we learn from verse 2 that actually beforehand, the man tells his wife, we're going to keep a little bit for ourselves. Don't tell anybody. And so they go ahead and they give their offering. Ananias takes the offering. And in verse 5, this is what Peter says to him. He turns to him and says, what made you think of doing such a thing? You have not just lied to human beings, but to God. You've lied to God. There is such danger in this. They lied to the community of believers. And in that deception, Peter said, it was actually the offense of lying to God. When we start to lie... It's not just that we're, we're telling a lie. We start to live the lie. We start to live in this fundamental spirit of deception all the time. And think about how foolish that is. You're lying to God. God who knows everything. You know, this is like the little kid holding candy behind his back. I don't have candy. I mean, this is what we're doing to God. This is, this is how silly we look. God knows our heart. He knows everything. We can't pull anything over on him. You see, when we start to lie like that, what it comes down to is we're really only fooling ourselves, which leads us to the third, and that is that we lie to ourselves. Ultimately, we're lying to ourselves. Psalm 119, David so beautifully says, Help me understand the meaning of your commandments, and I will meditate on your wonderful deeds. I weep with sorrow. Encourage me by your words. And then he says, Keep me from lying to myself. I mean, talk about a prayer that you just make part of your devotional life. Keep me from lying to myself. Give me the privilege of knowing your instructions. Do you see the danger in this when we're lying to ourselves? We, we lie to others. We lie to God. And before you know it, we actually start believing our own lies, our own press clippings. This is more often than not for us, very transparent when someone else is doing it. It's not always as obvious to ourselves when we're looking at ourselves. I mean, have you ever known someone who's living in a, just a state of, of constant personal deception? They've lied so long that they don't even realize what they're peddling anymore. I'm clicking over through stations on Friday morning and came to CNN. And there's an interview on, an interview with Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman from Rehab talking about why he's there. And then he checked in because, you know, he, he knows he's got a problem, but he's got this under control. He can handle it. He's okay. Millions of people are sitting and watching this guy, and they know what Dennis doesn't do, know yet, that, that Dennis is lying to himself. And before you're too quick to judge him, we all do this. We get in this state that we decide to start to believe our own lie. So many times the personal, personal deception is the linchpin of addiction, isn't it? You know, I can quit any time if I want. It's no big deal. I know when to say when. I'm okay. It becomes so cliche. But the truth is, the first step towards sobriety, the first step toward getting things right is what? Admitting you have a problem. It's a polite way of saying, it's time to stop lying to yourself. It's time to actually start believing the truth about yourself. Maybe in a marriage, we've mastered uh, the ability to point out what's wrong in our spouse, but we give ourselves a free pass. You know, I'm not the problem. He's the problem. I'm okay. It's her. She's the one who's all messed up. You know this gets dead serious when it's not just lying 
lying about our spouse or something else, but when we're lying about our own standing with God. When we say, hey, I'm okay. I'm all right. I'm, I'm doing okay. But the fact is there's no evidence of change in our lives whatsoever. Uh, John in his epistle says, if someone says, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. Identifying the problem is a first important step. We lie. We lie to other people. We lie to ourselves. And sadly, we lie to God. Knowing that I do something is important. I can't change if I don't know what the problem is. But knowing why I do something, that gives me the power to change. That gives me some motivation to move in a different direction. So, so let's dig into the next part. Why do we lie? And even for, more fundamentally, why do we think that some lies are, are necessary for survival? They're unavoidable. We've just got to do them. Why do we find ourselves five, six, seven times a day believing that a lie would be better than the truth? What I want to do is look through some categories of necessary lies. Not all lies, because we admit some lies are just, they're wrong. We should never do them. But there are some that we see as as tools for survival. They're necessary to some degree if we're going to make it through life. Uh, some of them for us fall, I would say, under, they're not so selfishly motivated or so we think. They fall under, under the category of, of helping someone else out, being, being good for them. So, for example, we think we have to lie to protect someone else. Maybe if they hear this news, it'll hurt their feelings. It'll make them sad. It'll upset them. And so we decide, hey, a little fudge here, you know, a little fix. We can fix this so that that person won't, won't, have, to, won't have to face reality here and deal with the sadness of that reality. Another one in this category is that we think we have to lie to keep peace. This was my home growing up. We had one member of our family who was just a, a human time bomb. You never knew when the rage was going to blow. You never knew when the anger was going to come. And what was amazing in that dynamic, as I look at it you know, from an adult, from adult perspective, we all trained our tongues to lie. We all had this mentality going that if I don't tell the truth, I can keep the bomb from blowing up. Now, here's the thing about that line of reasoning. That may keep the bomb from blowing up until the bomb finds out the truth. And then what you have is what we call a nuclear detonation. It gets a a whole lot worse, a whole lot worse when all of a sudden that person actually finds out the truth. There are other lies that are a little bit more self-motivated. We might call them the um, make life easier lies. I have this one category we might call the get off my case, lie, get off my case lies. This is when you're person, persistently reminded by somebody, uh, most likely a spouse. You're reminded, you're reminded, nag, you're reminded, you're reminded, you're reminded, nag. And before you know it, what do you do? I already did it. It's done. And if they were to go check, you know full well it's not done. But it stops the yepper. And as long as that stops... Life's better, right? Everything's going to be okay. And so we go ahead and throw out a lie to get someone off our case. Sometimes we lie because we're afraid of the consequences. And let's face it, we don't want to face what might happen if we tell the truth. So we just go ahead and spin it a little bit, fix it a little bit. And then there's the classic, the check is in the mail lie. Meaning what? You know, I'm going to do it, so I'll just say in advance that I've already done it. And the part that's so funny about the check is in the mail lie is that then we forget to put the check in the mail. 
And so now we find ourselves caught again because we got ourselves into the mentality that we did it when we actually didn't do it at all. Many of our lies, these necessary lies we think, have a relational element to them. There are some people in this room, I promise you, you're wired in such a way that you just, you hate to disappoint anyone. You know, you lie to the checker at Jewel because you don't want her to feel bad. I mean, you just, anybody in life, you don't like seeing people disappointed. And so you'd rather, you'd rather sell them something that's untrue than have them feel that moment, that moment of sadness. Sometimes in the relational side, we lie because we're trying to impress someone. We, we fudge the resume, literally or figuratively. We, we tell a lie to, to make ourselves look a little bit more impressive. And, and on the relational side, this might be one of the toughest ones. We think, if you knew the truth about me, you wouldn't love me. If I just really showed you who I am, you'd reject me. And so what do we do? We pretend to be someone else in order to have a relationship with that person. Then there are the work lies. There are some people I know if we had a conversation today, you'd say to me, hey, you know, you're a pastor. Lying in your business is a job hazard. Generally, it's not a good idea for pastors to lie. But you don't understand my business. In my business, I'm not going to make a sale if I, if I don't make this product better than it really is. I'm going to have trouble with my boss if I don't go ahead and do a little spinning and, and add a little fluff here that really doesn't exist. And, and so what's really happening is you've decided that when you go to work, you've got to leave your virtue sitting here in your chair at church, or you got to leave your virtue sitting at home in the kitchen, but you can't take the virtue of truth to work because if you do, it's going to be detrimental. Uh, And so you start to develop a duplicitous lifestyle where you say, I have my work lifestyle and I have my home slash church lifestyle, and you end up becoming two different people. Then there's this other category of necessary lies that we might just call the snowball factor, which is so appropriate looking outside today, right? We lie to maintain the lie. I mean, how many of your favorite sitcoms, an episode or two or five or ten, has been centered on on this one, on this theme alone? That a person tells a lie, and then before you know it, they kind of almost get caught, and so they tell a lie to cover for the lie, and tell another lie to cover for the lie, and we just get this compounding thing going where we even forget why in the world we lied in the first place. But you know what? There's another snowballing effect as well. As we lie, we start to believe our own lies. And before you know it, we're just living one big lie. Our character fundamentally changes. We move from being one who lies to being a liar, to just being a person that is characterized by the habit of lying. Think about this. Why do we typically lie? The bottom line is we tend to think that our lie in some way is better than the truth. So rather than honoring God with the truth, we choose to lie. We think that lying will gain us security. Yet the more we lie, the more insecure we feel. We might get caught. Now what's going to happen? And so we grow in that insecurity. Here's the fact. You cannot build a life of integrity based on a foundation of lies. I assume you're sitting here today. I mean, there are other things you could have done with Sunday morning. You could have slept in. You could have read the paper. You could watch TV. You could do something else with this morning. You came here today because you're hoping to build some integrity in your life, to change your character, to see some growth happen. You're not going to build that integrity based on a foundation of lies in your life. 
We think that lying will get us what we want. And yet, these lies, with these lies, we have less, much less, of what matters most. I may think that if I lie, you'll like me more. Yet the truth is, we cannot have a real relationship if you don't know who I really am. What that person has is a a friendship with a faux friend. So what do we have? We're believing something that is not true. It's just absolutely untrue. And the lie is stealing from me the thing that I desire most. Why? Because we, we have a spiritual enemy who is the father of lies. And he wants to distance us from the truth. So the more lies we tell and the more lies we believe, the less the truth lives within us. I want you to imagine for a moment that, that this, this table epitomizes truth. In fact, if you're looking at it from the right angle, it almost looks like a capital T. There's, this is truth. And here's me. I'm being just my real, authentic self. The more I lie, the more I distance myself from the truth. I just keep creating distance between me and the truth. And of course, the more that I don't lie and I want to embrace truth, the closer I draw to truth. Now, now here's what we need to remember. Truth isn't a concept. Truth is a person. What does Jesus say in John 14, 6? I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. So when we're lying, we're pushing ourselves away from Jesus. When we lie, we are creating distance in our relationship with God. When I run from the truth, I run from Jesus. When I embrace the truth, I'm drawn to Christ. Do you see why lying of any sort is so insidious? Lying has a direct impact on my relationship with Christ. Lying is not something I just do. Lying is something I become. It's part of who I am. A consistent pattern of lying tears at the fabric of our souls. It mangles us. It breaks us down. A few weeks ago, a load of laundry was done. And I went to go ahead and put it into the dryer. And as I pulled it out, one of the things I noticed in there is this this pair of... um, I'll call them pants because that's what men call them, but whatever Kim wears. Um, This pair of her kind of lounge, kind of soft, she wouldn't wear them in public pants. You know, you just kind of wear them around the house thing. You know what I'm talking about. I I meant to ask her what they're called, but anyway, those things. And so I pull them out and I notice something's wrong. I mean, they look like a rat just did a number on them, like, like mice just shredded it or something. I pull this thing out and the one leg has got gaping holes and it's frayed and it's it's a mess i mean it's just a mess i'm looking at this she wears them a lot so i know she likes them and i'm thinking okay we got a problem you know i can't i can't patch this if i wanted to i mean they're a mess and what i what i came to realize is i took them out shoulder she's like oh no the world has ended so anyway i i I, we look at we realize what happened is the leg got caught under the ringer got caught in the ringer, and it just, it just mangled that leg. It just did a number on that leg. What happens to us? When, when we submit our soul to a diet of nonstop lies, our character get, gets caught under that ringer of lies. And before you know it, our soul is in tatters. The fabric of our soul absolutely disintegrates. Lying pushes us away from the truth. And truth is not a concept. Truth is a person. 
And if you're a Christ follower, you don't want to be being pushed away from the truth. You don't want to be being pushed away from Christ. That is why it is so important for us to embrace the truth. As I step closer to the truth, I realize I don't have to lie. No lie is necessary. Now, rather than believing that my lies will help, I know that my lie does not help. My lies do not set me on a path to freedom, but a path of destruction and a path of bondage. That is why Jesus says about the truth and not a lie. He says what? That it's the truth that will set us free. It is the truth that breaks us free from bondage. Lying, living a lie is just so binding. You forget who you told what, and, and you're, you're just in this constant bondage of the lies. We lie, we forget who we lied to, we forget what we said, we lie to each other, and each lie that we take takes us one step away and another step away and another step away from the embodiment of truth. It takes us away from Christ himself. Why do we lie? Because we do not fully embrace Christ. We do not fully embrace the truth. We lie because we have yet to believe that God is to be desired more than life itself. We fall from something less than what is greatest, the truth, and his name is Jesus. Now, I want to show you a verse right now, and if you've been around church since a kid, I would dare say you've seen this verse dozens of times, maybe hundreds of times. You probably memorized it and earned a a little arrowhead, Nawana or something. I mean, you, you know this verse. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. Classic word used there is acknowledge him. And he will make your paths straight. Have you ever really thought about how that verse works in everyday life? I mean, this verse is ingrained in a lot of us. Have you thought about how that verse works in everyday life? Let's apply it to this topic. Few reasonable people would deny that the Bible condemns all kinds of lying. I don't know of anybody reasonable who would say God by character is a lie. And we know God doesn't want us to lie. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And don't lean on your own understanding. What's our understanding regarding little s lies? Some lies are necessary. Sometimes I don't have a choice. I just have to lie. Sometimes a lie is better than the truth. These are the lies we've chosen to believe. Lies that are clearly not in alignment with the teaching of God's word or Christ's character. What's my own understanding? I've got to lie. If my life is going to work, I've got to lie. But Proverbs 3, 5 says, don't lean on your way of seeing life. Don't lean on your own understanding. It goes on to say, in all your ways, submit to him. In all your ways, choose what he says over what you think to be true. He says, don't lie. I think I have to lie. But I choose to submit myself to his version of the truth, which is truth, rather than to my version of the truth, which is a lie. So I choose to not lie. And it ends by saying what? He will make your paths straight. Now, that verse means a lot more to the ancient world than it does to us, but I think it's pretty good for us this week because there were some people out all week long making the path straight for us, right? 
All week long, you saw those plows running by, taking care of the drifts. And, you know, my, my son this week uh, came to this realization that, that drifts and Mazdas aren't good friends. Tried plowing through one of those. He needed someone to go before him to make the path straight, to clear the path. God wants to do that in our lives. We learned early on. The straightest line between two points, A and B, the the quickest is, is a straight line. God wants to create straight lines in your life. He wants to get you directly from point A to point B. Life works best when we do it God's way, not our own. He knows the map. He created the road. He's saying, if you'll do it my way, you're going to be amazed at the freedom you experience. So I have a simple question for you today. Why not trust God? I mean, you invested an hour of your life this morning. Why not actually trust God instead of your own understanding? Why not take a step toward truth this week? Here's an idea. For one week, one week, try to live a lie-free lifestyle. One week. Just this week. I'm I'm going to avoid that habit I have of making it up as I go. And in fact, even if I do catch myself lying, I'm going to stop long enough to ask myself the question, what in the world's going on there? Why do I have the need to go ahead and say something that's not true? Rather than reflexively spinning a tale, why not put truth out there and let God clear the path for you? Let God straighten the path for you. He says he'll do it. Here's the truth. You don't have to lie. Lying is never necessary. A lifestyle of lying is fraying the fabric of your soul. It's eating away at your integrity. It's robbing you of peace. Here's what God wants us to do. He wants us to come to him and he wants us to confess that we've sinned. We need to spend some time talking to God, asking for his forgiveness, asking him to forgive us for the sin of lying. Even if you don't see it as a big deal, God's stomach is sick. He wants us to ask him for forgiveness. Then there's going to be a second element. There may be some people that you need to go straighten out the facts with. There may be some conversations you have to have where you do some confessing to some people as well. And you know, just as a a way of seeing this, you may need to ask that person for forgiveness, but they don't give you ultimate forgiveness the way God does. God gives you forgiveness of your sins and a fresh start. What happens when you confess to someone else? You confess to someone else for healing. You confess to someone else knowing that when we finally get the truth out there, we actually have the chance of building a relationship based on truth. And when you get the truth out there, you can actually start being you instead of the faux you that you've been presenting to everyone else. So confessing to other people starts to bring some healing. We, we need to own our own lives. We, we need to make some amends. And i got to tell you, folks, uh, that may lead to some conflict and some consequences. Please don't think today that I'm saying, and if you'll just tell the truth, everything will be berries and wonderful and roses, and oh, it'll smell great. And you'll, no, this, I mean, this isn't just lawyerese fine print. God's direct about this. If you're going to do the right thing, it's not always going to be easy. But lying isn't necessarily paying off for you either. And by the way, this whole idea of confessing to other people, we're confessing what we've done wrong. It never fails. Someone will take a a teaching like this and they'll they'll flip it. I need to confess to something to you. You're just an idiot. 
Oh, you got a real problem. You're a jerk. You know, wow, my pastor, he taught about lying and truth this week. And I just got to tell you something I've been thinking for years. You're ugly. And I, I just got to tell the truth. I mean, come on, really? Please don't use and abuse scripture in order to manipulate your agenda. This is about saying, this is what I've done wrong. This is what I've done wrong. And I need to clear this. I need to clear this, this dirt from my heart. Finally, we need to choose to embrace the truth. And, and I, I word that carefully. Because I think what we might want to do, our focus might be on, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm going to choose not to lie. And, you know, you go back to any of these sports analogies. The baseball player, I'm not going to strike out. I'm not going to strike out. I'm not going to strike out. Whiff. You know, I'm, I'm going to throw a touchdown. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to throw an interception. I'm not going to throw an interception. Whoop. And all of a sudden, Denver's winning like they should. So, you know, you got all these things going on. Um, don't think in terms of I'm not going to lie. Think in terms of I'm going to embrace the truth. I want to move myself closer to Christ. I want to move myself closer to what the truth is. Focus less on not lying and more on embracing the truth. So what I'd like to do is something, uh, something unusual, maybe something a little scary. We're going to uh, do communion in silence. So you can begin with a couple things. And by the way, uh, this isn't going to be stand-up time to go confess that you've been lying or whatever. So you can breathe for a minute, okay? That's okay. This is a chance to talk to God. And in the silence, we have a verse for you that we want you to see. A verse that uh, we already looked at. Search my heart, O God. Know my heart. Test my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. Would you take the time this morning to just say, God, I'm here before you in this moment of communion, and I want to talk about the integrity of my heart. What do you see there? Let God expose to you areas that you've been duplicitous. Areas where you've been less than truthful. Areas where you've held back and not shown God the real you or someone else the real you. And this may be that time that you say, God, I need to confess to you my lying. Beyond that, this may be the time that you think of one or two people that you're going to need to go to this week and say, I'm going to let you know I've been living a false lifestyle. And even further, take the time to say, God, this week, I commit to truthing it. I'm done with the lying. I commit to embracing the truth. Let me pray. Now, God, as we move into this time of, of dead silence and taking the representation of your body and your blood in our hands, I pray that you will help us to be honest before you. Let that spotlight of your spirit shine on the darkest parts of our souls and show us the areas that we need to change, the areas that we need to confess, the places we need to embrace truth, the people that we need to talk to to say, I need your forgiveness. In Jesus' name. Moments of silence are so intimidating. In the noise, we can cover up. We can pretend. But in the silence, our souls are exposed. And in the silence, the Spirit's spotlight feels so much more intense. God, I pray that we would be quiet long enough to hear who we really are. 
to hear what we've really been doing to the truth. And that today would mark a day that we would say from here forward, whatever the cost, I embrace the truth. And that we would trust you to clear the path before us as you promised you would do. And we believe in your promises. We know you don't fail. In Jesus' name, amen. Our servers are going to come and collect the offering. While they do, I want to show you a group that's coming up for women, I think starting this Tuesday. When it comes to talking about matters of faith, how confident do you feel? Do you wish expressing your beliefs and sharing Jesus with others was easier? Join Mary Jo Sharp in a practical seven-session Bible study that will equip you to have meaningful spiritual conversations. You'll gain skills to communicate more effectively, and you'll better understand your own faith. Answer your doubts, build your confidence, and start changing lives, one conversation at a time. Just like all the other groups that we offer, you can go to our website and register for that. It gets started this week. Again, that opportunity to to know how to better go about the... uh, process of having conversations with other people about Jesus. And again, it's a, it's a women's group that will be offered at the warehouse. We've had a week of just uh, really good food. Uh, we had our annual meeting Monday night and had soup and chili, and it was great. You know, it was cold outside, but boy, we felt warm inside. And, and then yesterday, our guys got together at the warehouse for the Super Saturday event, and we, we snacked and nibbled our way through the entire day. And what are our students doing in response? Well, in a couple weeks here, they're deciding they're just not going to eat. For 30 hours, they're going to go without any food. And this is their way of helping to support people around the world who are starving, people who need some food. It's good every once in a while to fast. It's good to celebrate. It's good to have a Super Bowl party and, and eat a lot and have fun. But it's also good sometimes to know what it's like to not have. And uh, we have the chance of supporting our kids. In fact, there will be a table in the hallway today if you want to go ahead and support one of the kids who are going to be going about this, this process of 30 hours of no food in order to help someone out. Make sure you go ahead and stop there today. Why don't you stand? We're going to head on our way back out into the snow. It is my understanding the groundhog saw a shadow today, which means absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. It's just, it's meaningless and worthless. But anyway, I did want to let you know on your way out today, uh, I'm not going to be at the door. wasn't there at the beginning. I, you know, we tell people to share, and that means they share their diseases sometimes too. So I caught whatever the plague is that's going around and coughing and playing the fever game and all that. So I hope you don't mind for one week. I'd just rather not share my diseases with you. All right, let's pray and we're going to head out. Father God, I thank you so much for this uh, great day to be able to look at your word and what it says about honesty and integrity when it comes to the truth. I pray that we would be people who would not only say we're Christ followers, but that we'd live like Christ followers, that we'd embrace the truth at all times, no matter what the cost, because it's the right thing to do and it's a reflection of your character. And we want to be children who reflect the character of our true Father in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for being here today. Enjoy it.